Happy to have you aboard here for the really big barbecue show. Boing. We cook because we have to, and we grill because we want to. Hit me. Fine. How you doing? We have a great show. I'm a big fan. Boing. So what? What? What seems to be the problem here? This man looks like he's dead, and he's in the in the crackle. Charbono. It's all about the Charbono, dude. Succulent fish. What? We ate two feet before we nursed. Oh, listen, Laverne, it's shut your face. I'm shaking like a dog shit peach seed. <laughs> we have top men working on it right now. Top men. All right, just like that, we are into the second hour. It's the Barbecue Central Show. The live fire fun and frivolity show that can be found on your internet on Tuesdays from 9 to 11 p.m. Still to come on the show, the embedded correspondence segment starting at about 10 minutes from now and winding through the rest of the second hour. Don't forget you can follow me socially at BBQ Central Show on Instagram and Twitter and TikTok and Snapchat slash BBQ Central Show on Facebook and Twitch. Slash R.D. Rempe on YouTube. Coming up on the best moments of the Barbecue Central Show in 10 minutes or less this Friday is episode 161, taking you back to January 21st, 2014. Does anyone remember a guy by the name of Big Mista? Yes, Neil Strotter, a.k.a. Big Mista. From Big Mist's Barbecue. In that segment that you will hear on Friday, we got a quick background on Neil that wasn't his first time on the show. But we re-introed Neil to the Centralites and how he originally got into the barbecue scene. That was via Competition Barbecue. If you're a fan of the show and you have knowledge that just jams in your brain like mine, you would also know. And that original Big Mist's team, one of... Uh, or another prolific pitmaster was born out of that, that, of course, being Sylvie Curry from Lady of Q, original Big Mista team member before branching out on her own. Then he ended up getting out of the competition scene or perhaps stayed in it, and then uh, also started opening up a barbecue shop at the Southern California farmer's market location like a Neil to me is synonymous with making barbecue a business in farmer's markets that was his wheelhouse he did it in a number of different places up and down southern california and eventually he was able to leave his full-time job and do it full-time his wife phyllis joined him doing it full-time barbecue a few months after that Neil has a very big personality. He was always a great interview on the show, and I think you'll enjoy it, especially if you knew Neil in his heyday. It's a nice look back. Neil, my man, what is good, Neil? You're doing well. I think he moved to Oregon or Idaho. I mean, he left SoCal. Or Oregon seems right for some reason. That seems to be the one, but, I mean, can you imagine leaving SoCal and Going to Oregon. Sometimes you got to do that. Fine. Also, let me remind you that if there is a segment or guest that you have a special feeling towards or you would like to hear again, email John a request and he will do his best to meet your expectation. 
John's show email is J-O-N, John, J-O-N, at the BBQ Central Show. Dot com. And then there's this. You may or may not know, folks, that in just a few short weeks, one of the most overrated holidays ever will be upon us. That's right. I'm talking about Valentine's Day. So what can you do? In 2021, that will blow your lover. I just messed that up. I got ahead of my words. That will blow your live fire lover's mind. (laughs) I got excited. I mean, really get them into a full burn. Something that will encourage their randiness to levels never before reached. You're probably searching for the right answer, but you're coming up short. And don't worry, not even for one second, because good old Greg Rempe has your back right here. In fact, it's not even me that has your back. It's America's Butcher, Pat LaFrieda, having your back. Because he's doing something never before seen, at least by me. This Valentine's Day, so from now, today, the 26th of June, until uh, (laughs) the 26th of January, until February 9th, you can give your beef-loving lover a prime 40-ounce, dry-aged, long-bone, Tomahawk ribeye. That's right. But not only that, you can give your live fire lover that long boned ribeye with I love you carved in that bone, ladies and gentlemen. That's right. You can see it right there in that Really long, thick bone. It says it right there. I love you. Yes, that is what I'm talking about. The bone. Nothing says I love you more than actually having I love you carved into the bone of your meat. Yes, that's right. Cursive writing flying all over the dinner table as you haul out that prime piece of beef in your hands with that huge bone that says I love you on it. And it's only $130. Sounds So pretty doable for something like this, for that special day. By the way, if you bone out for this and you're unsuccessful at get down time, then you don't know your live fire lover very well at all. 
trust me, if you are going to be paying 130 bucks for this dry-aged USDA prime Black Angus beef tomahawk steak center cut 40 and you don't get to partake in the get down things have gone tragically wrong did I mention I love you is on the bone what I said I love you is on the bone it's not your live fire lover's fault if you can't close the deal it's your fault so if you're looking for something to really thicken up the mood might I suggest eat eat lafrida.com by the way Rusty Monson Utah embedded correspondent has no idea what I'm talking Anyway, just a piece of love advice for all of you guys and gals out there that are going to be participating in Valentine's Day here. The Pat LaFrieda I Love You Tomahawk Ribeye. I'm sure we'll talk about that here in just a few minutes. In fact, I forgot I have an abridged open, so I will skip the Bernie Sanders memes and hold those for next week. I said I was going to get to the email from Bubba in Georgia last week. I didn't do that. He's pushed. But we got embedded correspondence to get to. Can't be messing around with such nonsense like Bernie Sanders memes. We have business to attend to. Well, let me talk to you quickly about Green Mountain Grills. Two lines to choose from. The choice line and the prime line. Now, if you want to save some money, if you are running into a tough time, but you're still in the market for a new cooker and you want a pellet cooker, the the prime or the choice line might be the one you want to look at. So you're foregoing the tech, you're foregoing some of the peak in windows, more of a robust build, things of this nature, but still the same size as a Jim Bowie or a Daniel Boone prime, that being the choice. Now, if you have a couple extra bucks, if you want more of a robust build, you want a solid front shelf, you want Wi-Fi and app connectivity and capability to internal meat probes, look in windows on the main cooking chamber pellet hopper, the list goes on. Primeline is probably going to be the one you want to take a look at. Go to GreenMountainGrills.com and check out where their dealers are. Once you find one near you, you can visit the dealer, see what the Green Mountain Grills actually look like in person. They will tell you all about them, get you educated. So when you buy it off the floor and add the pizza oven insert accessory, you can get home and you're armed with all the knowledge. You'd be successful right out of the bat. Or right out of the bat. Right off the bat. I used to play baseball. GreenMountainGrills.com. That's GreenMountainGrills.com. If you want to travel with one as well because you're into tailgating or you're going to go down to the Super Bowl in Florida or whatever the hell that is, uh, the Davy Crockett is something that you want to take a look at. Again, all available for view on the website and then find a dealer near you, GreenMountainGrills.com. We are back with the embedded correspondence right after this. Stick around. You're listening to the number one most downloaded barbecue and grilling podcast anywhere. The Barbecue Central Show. 
monthly visits from a killer hog, a cooking guy, a man named Meathead, the author of Barbecue Bible, a grill girl, a bristly barbecue journalist, and the male feasance of the barbecue world known as the Embedded Correspondence. Only found right here on the Barbecue Central Show. And this portion of the show being brought to you by Pit Barrel Cooker, the most unbelievable outdoor cooking device on the planet, currently available in two sizes with a host of accessories to choose from. And complete your Pit Barrel experience, whether you're a beginner or professional, definitely a cooker you want to add to the arsenal. Visit pitbarrelcooker.com and tell them the Barbecue Central Show sent you. All right, so here we are. It's the fourth Tuesday of the month, and of course that means a visit from Doug Scheiding, John Solberg, and Rusty Monson, or as we call them, the Embedded Correspondents, and there they are. Rusty is, as you're looking at your computer screen to my right, and Doug is caddy down to the right below Rusty, and the Michigan Correspondent, John Solberg, directly below me. So here we are, the first Tuesday, or I guess technically the fourth Tuesday, but the first time we are together in 2021, and away we go. Uh, so uh, as I had built it in the top dudes, uh, we all seem to have our own diverse and original agenda. So uh, I will start and then we will move on from there. And if anybody has any specific questions, concerns, you know, raise the hand or whatever, I'll call on you and away we go. So let me start here first. Uh, John, I wanted to, you know, I, I, I'm not here to spill anybody's private business or anything like that. But, uh, you know, if you follow you on Instagram, you can see that you have been messing around with a fairly large commercial uh, barbecue pit. And from time to time, you see some pretty original items going through that carousel, not the least of which was a few pig's heads a couple weeks ago. So is that something that your uh, the, the barbecue place was serving to eat, or what was that all about? You know, that was an order. And it's a little bit of a long story. It's got a lot of F-bombs in it. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I'm, I'm running some bit, uh, commercial bit on the weekend just to learn something. And uh, the head bit runner says, hey, you got a couple uh, rooms on room on your pit for a couple of hog heads. I'm like, sure, I got room. What do I cook them to? He goes, I don't have to know. I said, all right, what do I do with them when I'm done? He goes, I don't have to know. So how do you cook a pig head? I'm starting sending out texts and how, what what's the it of a pig head when you're smoking one yeah everybody goes i don't have to know <laughs> so oh dear finally i go to the boss i go hey i got these pig heads they're like 170 everywhere i can stick them what do you want me to do with them he goes i don't have to know wow <laughs> so, so i'm like all right it's an order so i pan these things up i try to cool them down i get them covered up i don't want to mess up they look nice couple hours later, this guy shows up looking for a couple pig heads. And I show him the pig heads. He's all excited. He's happy. Those look gorgeous. And he looks at me and he goes, what do I do with these now? Uh-oh. And the only <laughs> thing I could think of to say was, is I don't fucking know. Wow. No, like, <laughs> right from top to bottom, nobody had, no, there was no game plan for pig's heads? No, this guy just wanted some smoked pig head pig like he's gonna make a barbecue related head cheese or something along these lines i i, I think he maybe was going after the greek half a lamb head or something wow. I, I have no idea and i just said Here, here's your heads i'm going home now <laughs> doug have you ever had pig's head <laughs> no never have what about you rusty i have yes it, it but it was 
it wasn't uh, smoked. It was confited, basically, in lard. Hmm. And then you just took a piece of it and made a taco out of it. Now, it. I, I definitely didn't have a confited pig's head. This is probably shocking for many of you, but I have had pig's head in the form of head cheese over at uh, Doug Larder oh, yeah, Delicatessen yeah, yeah. down on West 29th Street here on the near west side of Cleveland. And the guy there, you know, I mean, he's he's a non-waster and... I had brought my two daughters in. We had had lunch one day, and he brought out the meat board and said, you know, he explains everything very well. I mean, he's quite the entertainer and educator, and he got to the head cheese part. I knew exactly what it was, and the girls had no idea. And he said, hey, do you know what head cheese is? So he started to explain it, and they got that weird look in their eyes and face. And uh, he, he did such a masterful way of explaining it to the point where they at least tried it and it, you know, just not to drone on and on, but he said, Hey, you know, imagine if you were here in this, in this specific country at this period of time, and all you had was like bread and something else. Well, what if you had this hog's head and you were able to cook it down, you can get all the meat off of it and then you, you know, chilled it, it congeals. Now you can cut it into squares and now you have this head cheese slice that you can put in between the bread and you have calories and it's better nourishment. And the girl, they were like, wow, you know, that's a pretty good idea and blah, blah, blah. And they took a bite of it and they were like, this is the grossest thing I've ever had. But at least he encouraged them to the point of trying it, which I mean, there was no way that I was going to be able to do that. And I thought it was pretty delicious. So I would imagine a John Solberg smoked head cheese would probably be 10 times better than the one I had, which was actually pretty good. So you know, maybe I'll be putting an order in for a pig's head, John, and, and I will have a fucking idea what to do with it. Hmm. Uh, spice rubs and barbecue sauce. This was a internal chat that we had had on Facebook Messenger yesterday, I think it was. And it turned into gold, and uh, John called it. I was uh, at some point going to jump in with the idea of maybe pulling it off the messenger and throwing it up here just to talk about because I'm sure... This has been a conversation that other folks have had. So just to set it up, uh, spice rubs and barbecue sauces, do you make your own? Why or why not? And the the meat of the issue here was, does it matter about suppliers and consistency to comp or backyard cookers? And should commercial rubs and sauces always taste the same? So, uh, Doug, let me start with you since uh, you and John were a kind of most spirited in the in the go back. Uh, Rusty has mentioned many times that he's in the process of uh, compiling his own rubs and sauces for uh, some pretty good reasons. So, uh, Doug, go ahead and uh, weigh in on this to start. Okay. Yes. So I I uh, I used to, when I first started off, I I was making my own rubs and and sauces. Um, and uh, what I found out is I was using some rubs for my ribs and it started tasting differently. So then I started going back and I figured out it was the smoked paprika that I was buying. And I went to my local store that I was getting my rubs from. And I found out from the, the manager of that section that they were using a different supplier for the smoked paprika. So my competition ribs were tasting different. And I said, okay, Never again. I'm not going to do that. You could still have the same thing if you ordered online, right? They could, you know, change suppliers at it at any time. And in competition, you're about consistency. You want everything to be the same. You don't want changes. 
etc. So I think from a competition standpoint, you need to use commercial rubs and sauces. And yes, they should stay the same. Coca-Cola doesn't change their their recipe. Colonel Sanders, you know, that recipe's regard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Those are extreme examples, but you know what I'm saying. Wine tastes different from year to year. Yeah. A commercial rub should stay the same. And if it if they change it, then they should uh uh basically come out with a new name or something. So, you know, change change it to a diff- different name. John, your thoughts? I, I agree it should stay the same, but spices themselves are an agricultural product. So there's going to be variation in that product from year to year when it comes, you know, not all spices, you know, paprika is made from a pepper, so that can be maintained pretty consistent, but you're going to have variation. It's just going to happen. Um, I don't think it's an argument one way or the other, whether you should make a rub or buy a rub. Rusty? Well, you know, as far as competition goes, I've actually had a time where I got the first run of a rub. And it was great. Loved it. Started using it. Uh, did very well with it. And then in the second run, w- had something in it. They changed something. And it literally, when we caught it before, you know, we went to competition with it, but it would have been disastrous for us, you know, because it was that noticeable. But my, my reasoning for going into doing my own rubs is a conversation I had with Susie Bullock, actually. And it's quite a long rant. You should get her on this subject because, man, I'll tell you what, she's got a lot to say about it. But it's the difference between a, a fresh rub and a bottled rub. There's just no difference. Like when she makes hers, you know, it tastes different than when it's in the bottle. There, there's because no difference certain, or there's no comparison? There is a difference. Oh, okay. Um, it's just slightly better when she does it on her own. And the reason why is because distributors, for example, if you have a smoked paprika. Now, if that's your most important aspect of the rub, you got to find a distributor that matches yours. And they're going to miss on other things. They're never going to get it right. There's never one co-packer out there that's going to be like, oh, we have everything you've ever wanted. And it's just not going to happen that way. Um, So you have to kind of and figure out what's good, what isn't, what works, what doesn't for you. And then go your route that way. And so that's, I haven't dealt with it yet personally. These are the things I'm, you know, waiting through now. But I fully expect to make some compromises Right now, I rub, I use rubbed sage. You know, if they don't have rubbed sage, it's different. You know, so I would have to make that sacrifice or find a co-packer that has a rubbed sage that I want, and that's the difference. But it is better to make your own. It's just hands down better. You know, when I originally got into barbecue and grilling, uh, my cousin is the guy that got me into this whole thing, taught me about barbecue pits and stuff, and said, "Hey, you know, uh, ask me if I was." making my own barbecue sauce and making my own barbecue rubs. And uh, I wasn't at the time. I was just learning how to cook the meat. And he said, you know, to make the barbecue truly your own, you have to make your own sauce and you have to make your own rub. And then you own it from start to finish. I didn't know anything different, so I bought into that. I bought Stephen Reichland's book. Uh, I I used his 4-4 rub. It was the first time I ever uh, made my own rub, and it was on the first rack of ribs that I ever did that I didn't know how to fire up that Weber Smoky Mountain, so they ended up coming out horrifically below average, but that had nothing to do with the rub. It was just a a bad cooking scenario that I was able to rectify at some point down the road Uh, and uh, found a recipe for my sauce maybe six or seven months later from some guy that I had met up the street in Menor. 
And I still make my own barbecue sauce. And I think most people that eat my barbecue sauce or taste my barbecue sauce really like it. Uh, maybe I'm just striking the luck meter with people that like a more vinegar-based sauce than something that's overly thick and sweet like the majority of stuff that's out there right now. Maybe that might be trending to a, a different side anyway over time. But I do notice, to tie this in, that especially in the barbecue sauce, if something changes, like if I use, if I'm out of honey that I had been using for the last two months and I go to a different brand of honey, uh, the sauce will taste a little bit different. Uh, or I go from the McCormick version of this spice to the Durkee version of this spice. Uh, there is a little bit of a of, of a, a discrepancy in that taste. Not necessarily bad, but different. So let me quickly ask everybody here. If a commercial maker of rubs, if it's a McCormick or if it's a uh, Big Papa Smokers or, you know, name whoever the, the big rub companies are out there. And they have uh, old world spices that makes pretty much everybody's uh, spice. If for whatever reason, the seasoned salt that they had been using all of a sudden has to change for some reason. Is it incumbent upon them to say, here are the things that's changed to everybody that uses that? Do they need to send out notification letters and sample packs and say, here's what it tastes like now because of this change? Or is it part and parcel that at some point something is going to change and you should just be expecting that doing your own quality control um, every so often or consistently, John? That's a tough call, not understanding whatever the contract is you do with your co-packer. But I got a feeling when this change happens, the co-packer may not even be aware from of, of it. Um, you know, unless you're dealing with a Penzi or this this big mega spice company, how how could it, it's possible they wouldn't even know? Um, and should they? Yes. Are they gonna? I don't see it happening. What about you, Rusty? You have to. I mean, that's. That a lot of people rely on these things because if it tastes different, like you said, honey, you're, you're absolutely right. We went to a competition and we thought, we'll just grab the next clover honey that, you know, they don't have the one we used. And it was completely different and make your own rubs. I do use seasoning salt for my own rubs. And if it was different, it would change my whole entire profile. And since I'm in business, that could affect my business. So yes, I think if they know it's only ethical for them to say something about it, because if not, then, that's that's shady. You know, that's not you're affecting other people's either profession, their competitions, or you know, they just want to impress a friend. Maybe they're, you know, on a date and she she leaves because the seasoning salt was terrible and never comes back. And that was gonna be the love of his life. <laughs> they were gonna marry They were gonna move to Hawaii in Maui in that really cool spot. And now that will never happen. Hmm. Interesting. Uh Doug, your thoughts? Well, I, I think it it you might go back to the reason why they changed. You know, if they change because they can't get that particular supplier, spice, spice or something like that. But if they change because they're trying to cut corners or they're trying to save a few cents, then maybe they need to go to the extra step to maybe have some like internal marketing studies to make sure that the taste hasn't changed, you know, from the old to the, to the new. And if it has, they probably do need to tell their commercial clients. I think, you know, the general public, mm, maybe not. Um, like Rusty saying, um, I was using a, a sauce in competition and it, uh, it 
changed from the standpoint of I, I noticed that the uh, uh, the sodium content had gone way up and I didn't place in chicken for like three contests in a row. And I was like, and my chicken didn't taste very well. My wife was, you know, the wife approval uh, was not there. So that was the first first clue. But um, um, and it was because the sodium content had gone up like 25 percent. So I don't use that that particular uh, sauce anymore. All right. Uh, next question for me, and then I will relinquish the floor back to the uh, to the to the panel, as it were. Um, we talked with Derek Riches last segment about the Spark Grill, which was born out of the conversation I had with Ben West last week when we talked to him about his cooker. Uh, John, do you have any interest in this cooker? Do you think it's got any kind of legs, or do you think it will be quickly out of business? Necessarily for us. It's not a grill for us. It's a grill for, uh, Derek said, the sharper image crowd, and that's an, an exaggeration, I think, of its market. It's a sharp-looking grill. It's compact. It doesn't take up a lot of space. It's easy to run. It's for that upper-scale guy on his patio in his apartment building or something like that. He just wants to come home, turn a switch, and cook a couple hamburgers, and then go inside. I do, I do think I, I do think it is very cool, and I think there is a market. The proprietary charcoal doesn't bother me one bit based on the market that I think it's focused at. Doug, your thoughts? Um, first of all, during the interview, and did you go offline with him and ask him, it sure as heck looks like a PK to me, and he didn't really want to go there. I was like, that was kind of weird, but um, it definitely looks like a PK grill. Concerned about it being porcelain. Um you know, the, the proprietary fuel source is a problem. I actually went tonight to go check it out because I was like, ah, I forgot what the pricing was. Delivery six weeks. Six weeks out. No way. Yeah. And and I also saw a comment on the uh, the website that if you use charcoal instead of their bricks, it takes five to ten times longer to heat up. Hmm. And, it, and it reduces its ability to be able to control the temperature. So... It sounds like it's pretty proprietary in its nature, and so to me, that wouldn't be that. That's really not something I'd be interested. All right, so using somebody else's charcoal is going to affect its programmed performance, otherwise. Exactly, and and if there's a, a supply mess up in terms of you know delay, then you're running out. You're like, oh, okay, gosh, can't use that for four weeks. Rusty, your thoughts on Spark Grill? Uh, you know, if you own five or more Eddie Bauer items, you probably would love this. Um, <laughs> but no, really. like, it's, you know, to be honest though, think about when Traeger came out in the eighties and there wasn't a lot of pellets. It was, it was different. You know, you had, you didn't even have anything in between. These guys were burning sticks and this dude comes around and goes, Hey, these are pellets, you know? So I, I kind of see it right there. It would be interesting to see. I think it could go either way. I wouldn't mind it. And if, you know, if it fell on my lap, I would, I would use it. It seems pretty cool. Just to go out. I like the cast iron part of it. It's a thick cast iron. I really like that. Um, it's, it's just convenient. You know, like I, I go out, I have a lot of cookers, but I cook on my Yoder or my Green Mountain Grill all the time because it's so convenient. If I want to go cook a steak, I could fire my PK, yes, takes me 30 minutes to get my charcoal basket going, then the temp I want, then my grates, and it's just this whole thing. And sometimes I just want to go plug it in, crank it up to eight, you know, six, 700 degrees, see if a steak can go in the house. Not bad, you know, or, or do some anything, scallops, you know, just something quick and easy outside that I like, because I really like that charcoal flavor and just the charcoal flavor alone mm. a lot of times for stuff. So I, I see it. I, I actually see it has potential. I think it's cool. 
I wouldn't go buy one right now, but I would, if I got one, I would, I would use it for sure. I'm intrigued. Uh, there's no doubt about it. Otherwise I wouldn't have had been on last week to talk about it. Uh, I'm, as Derek had mentioned, I'm a little concerned at you know 800 bucks or or 900 bucks, or when it's not on sale, it's trending more towards a thousand bucks. Um, I don't I don't know if I care. Like Meathead seems to really put a lot of value in uh, being able to set up any grill grill, not a pellet cooker, as a two zone cooker like that holds a lot of value to him when he's evaluating. I don't know if it really holds that much value to me. If I know I'm buying it up front the way that it's coming, I am either going to just live with that because I'm pulling the trigger that way or I'm already figuring out a way to maneuver around uh, however it's set up to cook. Uh, I am... I, I, I don't know if I buy into the exclusive briquette thing uh, I think that, uh, I mean, I get it from a business standpoint, but I, I never like to feel like I'm trapped into a fuel source, although I do own a gas grill, so I'm you know, trapped into having to come up with gas every so often, and I can't get around that, uh, even if I converted it into natural gas and plumbed it into the house, still gas. Uh, but uh, as Doug said, the the lead time is a little concerning, but I would imagine if it's actually going to start to pan out that that would improve and potentially you would start seeing these stocked in stores. Uh, I just don't like the one and done use. Uh, maybe I'm a nerd and when I have charcoal grills and I use them, uh, I preserve the charcoal. If I don't spend it all, I cut off the the oxygen and I will reuse it. Even if it's just for a light up, it's just uh, more efficient. At most, at the moment, you're getting 90 minutes out of one of these spark bricks, which I don't think is a, a really long time. And 500 degrees, like, I mean, are you really cooking at 500 degrees all the time? Uh, I, I guess I would like to see it in use a little bit more and, and see where the feedback comes. So I'm 50-50. I think it, it's something that we might not even hear of by the end of the year, uh, or it, it could be something that is uh, taking off. You know, this is just the, the the part where it's clearing off of the taxiway and getting onto the runway for for a big takeoff here. So we'll see how it goes. Uh, all right, so I'm going to stop here for a second, then we'll get to John's stuff, and then we will move on from there. We're talking with the Embedded Correspondents, of course. So stick around, and we'll be back with more live fire talk with them. We'll talk to you quickly about Southside Market and Barbecue, established in 1882. Southside Market, the oldest barbecue joint in Texas. They've been owned and operated for the same family by, uh, for the, owned and operated by the same family for three generations. Premium Central Texas Barbecue is what they're offering to you. Products low smoke over real wood, shipping, distributing, and manufacturing sausages for companies across the U.S. From food trucks to multi-chain restaurants, Southside Sausage can be on your menu as well. All meats are processed in the on-site USDA-inspected facility, a trusted partner with a focus on quality and authenticity. Wholesale options are available, shipping nationwide via FedEx. They can also get them through food service channels like Cisco, U.S. Foods, and Martin Foods. Co-packaging capable from research and development to package, uh, to package completion. They can follow your recipe or help you develop something brand new from scratch. Private label opportunities are also available. Visit SouthsideMarket.com for more information. While you're there loading up that shopping cart, you can get 10% off the entire order each and every time by using promo code BBQ Central. All one word, lowercase, B-B-Q-C-E-N-T-R-A-L, BBQ Central, for 10% off your entire order each and every time you visit SouthsideMarket.com. 
We are back with more Embedded Correspondence right after this. Stick around. Celebrating over 10 years of prolific and unparalleled live fire barbecue and grilling talk. And yes, it's still being done from Cleveland, Ohio. You're listening to the Barbecue Central Show. Hey, we got a little breaking news next week in the 1035 hour. We will be announcing the Smithfield Grant recipients. How about that? That's right. We have the ones that carried over from last year, and we have the new ones from this year. So Laura Paul uh, getting ready to confirm the 1035 next week, but I figure I'll tease it out there and press her in. You can also visit smithfield.com or smokingwithsmithfield.com for the Committed Cooks program. All right, we're back with the Embedded Correspondence. John, you are up with some topics, so go ahead. Hey, did you guys meet your uh, 2020 grilling goals that we talked about last year? Anybody? Greg, I'll start with you. <laughs> did I give you a list of goals? <laughs> well, we all talked about this uh, last year. We all had these goals, and we, we ran through them all. Um, so I said, did anybody... I, Dear. Meet their goals, and did they set any goals for this year? Well, I can tell you, I met all of my goals for 2020. I can tell you that. That's all. I don't want to brag, so I'm not going to get into detail. Now, for 2021, uh, you know, my goals for barbecue and grilling would be, I want, I just want to do it at, at more frequency. The one thing that I have come to realize is, you know, I really, and I've been doing it for a long time, you know, 14 years or you know, however long I have had the very first cooker I ever got that Weber Smoky Mountain uh, and learned how to use it because that thing was, you know, pretty quickly going out onto the tree lawn after that first couple of uses. But after I learned how to use it and finding virtualbullet.com, it really changed my life. And I really love the way to cook and the whole method. And then seeing John over the last many months uh, in a commercial setting and seeing what he's doing, I was like, man. You know, uh, maybe it's not fun for him, but as an outsider looking in and seeing the ribs and the chicken and the bull balls and the dog bones and the pig's heads and everything else that he's cooking, I was like, it, it's inspirational. Maybe I wasn't going to be cooking outside that day, but then I see one of John's Instagram stories and I'm like, you know what? F it. I am going to go to the store and get something and, and grill it or put it on one of the cookers that I got and. So I I, I want to keep that up. That's a goal for me for 2021 is to just barbecue more, maybe more low and slow, and because uh, I did still do a lot of grilling. And then I, I would like to, uh, you know, venture out of my barbecue comfort zone more. What I found doing the show is I've I say this quite a bit. You know, I've never tried this or that, or boy, I hate to admit it, but I've I've never had this experience, and I don't think I want to do that anymore. I think. In my advanced age, I want to be a little bit more experienced in my food palate, and I'm I'm going to make an attempt. I don't have a specific five or six items, but if I hear of something, I'm not going to just immediately go, well, fuck that, I'm not going to do it. I think I'll give it a whirl. So I'm open to suggestions, and if anybody wants to write in, that's fine. But that's my uh, 2020 uh, goals or things that I would like to accomplish over the next 12 months. 
well, since I'm moderating, hey Doug, what's your what's your 2021 grilling <laughs> barbecue goals? <laughs> well, uh, I'd like to get out more this year. I only did two contests last year, and uh, I didn't, you know, I just didn't go to a to a, a lot of contests, and you know, worked on recipes. and And last year, I decided I was going to cook pretty much everything but chicken ribs and brisket. Although I cooked, wound up cooking a lot of brisket. So this year, I want to kind of get back to cooking some of the basic uh, competition meats and um, I'm going to cook a pork butt this weekend and stuff. And so I've been kind of de- neglecting that cooking, you know, beef cheeks, picanha, tri-tip, whatever, um, cooking all of all kinds of other stuff. So um, just developed a recipe for uh, buffalo cauliflower for head country. And um, so a few uh, still do more recipes this year. And I do want to do at least one or two SCA events. And I'm going to take my Traeger Ranger ballsy great <laughs> rusty i know you got some big goals coming up for 2021 care to care to share them with us tonight yeah um well first of all the food truck's coming up so i want to get that up and going and uh you know i am developing all my own recipes and my own rubs and stuff like that so i want to continue that trend i want to be able to call things my own kind of throw the books away you know i'm kind of a book nerd i have every single book you can imagine on barbecue and i've read most of them you know so, and you follow those recipes and stuff. And I think it's time for me to really just dive head first and take the, put the blinders on and do my own thing and come up with my own recipes. Kind of like, you know, Doug does a lot, which I, you know, think is super cool and do that. But I also want to cook on live fire more. I uh, want to get like, you know, the open, I'm talking open pit, learn like Brazilian style cooking and just really go back to the basics of barbecue, you know, and I really want to try that. But most importantly, man, I just want to be the best uh, barbecue in Utah when it comes to the food truck. That's really the one number one goal. So that's what I'm going to do. That's a, that's a great goal. You know, and yeah, I, I'll be honest. I, I don't have any goals this year. I just trying to survive, trying to figure out running commercial <laughs> barbecue. Mm-hmm. It's the hardest work I've ever done in my life. And I have this utmost respect for all the barbecue. You know what? It In all the years I've been on barbecue, I don't know anything about barbecue when you're trying to help someone make their living at it. So I'm just going to keep grinding on it and uh, try to survive it. That's That's my only goal for barbecue. Any other topics that you had on your agenda, John? My, my list is pretty full. Uh, do you want to pass this around a little bit? But, uh, you know, we can jump right into food trends or, you know, yeah. my big question. Only, only other really big question I have is, based on the news tonight, does anybody actually use the Wi-Fi enabled mm. apparatus on their cookers? Uh, I do not. <laughs> it's like. And, and look, I mean, I think if, if you go through the, the history of the show and uh, when I have manufacturers on that. You know, they specifically want to talk about that portion of the cooker. My question to them is, is this a feeling in the boardroom that you have to have this in order to get a sale? Or the better question would be, if you don't have it, are you going to lose sales to the other manufacturers that are around your cooker that have the Wi-Fi and the apps and all that other stuff? Because... Uh, you know, maybe it's my age or, or the way I came into this particular industry, like learning the management of a live fire first. I don't, I don't believe 
that 80% of the people that buy Traegers and Green Mountain Grills and Pit Bosses and everything else that have Wi-Fi and apps use them. I don't believe it. Uh, so I, I don't know why they are. I think they're put on there because there's a need to feel like they have to be on there. Uh, I don't use them. I'm not saying that other people don't, but I think the large portion of consuming public know they're on there. Nice to know I could use them. Don't fucking use them. Doug, I do. What's your I do. Take on? Yeah, I do some. Yeah, I I I use the uh, the Wi Fi. It comes up automatically on my phone. You know, as soon as I, as soon as the grill comes up, pops onto the network, and so I I use it some, especially if I'm going to be out. You know, like in the front of the house and I'm cooking on the back, I'll use it and things like that. But in competition, when I'm hands-on on the grill, I don't use it in competition. But that's a different scenario. Wi-Fi enabled cookers. Mm-hmm. What about you, Rusty? Nah, man. I don't at all. I've tried a hundred times. I use my Smoke X and I have that little thing that comes with me and I can hold on to it and set it up on my coffee table while I'm watching jazz games, you know, and just watch it. And, and I don't have to mess with my phone at all, turn it on, get it greasy. None of that. I really wanted to. It just didn't. It just maybe it's the stuff I'm using, which you know, to be fair, is a lot. So I don't think I'm gonna ever use Wi-Fi. It for me just it doesn't make sense unless I'm. You know, I can see it being cool to use because I do document my cooks a lot, especially in uh, competition, to be able to see the you know fluctuations and different stuff in certain you know temperatures outside. You know, because it's really cold here, it'd be nice to see how that pit runs consistently you know and it has those graphs and stuff which is cool that's the only thing i can see myself using it for but again i just don't have the patience for it so i'd rather just have that little you know connection to my smoke x and call it a day what about you john well for me i do use it and there's only the only reason i use it is i write product reviews so i want to have a really good familiarity at I want to be really familiar with how Wi-Fi works and how different manufacturers, how, how easy they are to connect. And it's one of those things, a lot of manufacturers, if you don't use it, you lose it. So I do use it on Wi-Fi, Wi-Fi enabled cookers only to stay familiar with it. If I'm cooking for myself on anything else, there's nothing Wi-Fi attached to that thing at all. I don't even want to use a remote read, read thermometer nine times out of 10. Insta read, that's it, I'll cook. But I do use them for that one purpose. All right, uh, Doug, go ahead. Uh, give us a couple of your agenda items here for us to toss around. Okay, I've got one main one. Uh, one thing about the Wi-Fi, the best use of it is the pellet sensor. So when you're almost out of pellets, it'll it'll ping you and let you know that you're almost out of pellets. I, 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 I do use it for that. I actually ran out of pellets on my Ranger this weekend. So um, that the sometimes you, you better be careful what, what you get used to. But okay, we're in Texas. Of course, when we get mad, we, we want to secede from the union. So <laughs> what are we doing? We have yet another Texas sanctioning body that's that's come out. So, oh, you know, man. we've got IBCA. Everyone's familiar with IBCA. We've got we've got Lone Star Barbecue Society. Um, we used to have the Gulf Coast, if you remember that. And then uh, Central Texas Barbecue Association. And last year, I didn't even really know about it, but it started up. It's called the Texas Barbecue Society. Um, so now we've got the new one. If you haven't heard it's called the Champions Barbecue Alliance, and it's been started by uh, Fred Robles and uh, Roddy Trevino. 
two well-known cooks in the in the state. They've you know if uh, rest of you may have met them at the, up at the American Royal. Fred, I think, is the reigning American Royal champion, uh, if you will. So um, there was a little snafu with IBCA and and uh, the some memberships that lapsed with uh, with some board members, including you know, Fred and Roddy and stuff. And so they were unable to participate in, in the function of the board. And so now they are going off and starting on uh, their own and they've got a lot of support. Um, you know, they're trying to fix some of the things that are wrong with Texas scoring. You were going to have score sheets. They're going to have score sheets. They had their first trial uh, contest this weekend with 20 teams. They're going to have score sheets with comments. They're going to have, we'll have four turn-ins. They're adding pork, you know, just like KCBS to the the turn in so and then they're going to be uh one hour apart so we're only going to have two rounds now um different than you know the survivor you know that we have in texas and stuff so they're fixing some of the things that are that are major problems you know in texas if you if you have uh 20 teams or 100 teams they only really call out the top 10 you don't know if you finished 11th or or 100 now you're going to know where you finished if you're first or if you're dead ass last so you're going to know that. So they're trying to fix a lot of the problems that that cooks have have had with the Texas scoring. Um, all the all the judging is going to be done on mobile devices. Speaking of you know Wi-Fi's etc. So all the judging is going to be on appearance, taste, and texture. And appearance is going to be the you know the less than taste and, and texture. But there is going to be some some grading on appearance, um, which is different than you know in the past. It was just one score. So. Um, you know, 50 bucks a year, you know, to be a member and those sorts of things. So it, I think it's going to be interesting. So as, as they go forward, you know, competing against uh, IBCA and some of the other sanctioning bodies, and they have designs of going uh, outside of Texas. Hmm. John thoughts. I got nothing on that one. I got, <laughs> and if you can't say it, I, I, no, I'm not saying it. I'll say it later. <laughs> Rusty. <laughs> I think it's great, man. More barbecue stuff to cook. That's the, uh, sign me up, dude. I'm headed to Texas. That's gonna be awesome. I'm really excited about it. I think uh, Fred's a good dude, and I uh, I saw some of the videos they're doing and that their first cook they had, you know, and it's just it's gonna be really exciting. So, um, I mean, I, I'm I mean, I made me go to Texas anyway, so I might just head out there. And Doug, maybe you can meet me out there, and we can finally compete head to head. But. Mm, look at that. I think Rusty <laughs> cool. just threw down the challenge to Doug. I'm going to come to your down home the state. We're going we're gonna to go. The gauntlet has been thrown. I like it. Has. It has. All right. Well, I mean, I, I've had uh, you know any number of really good conversations with Fred Robles here on the show. Uh, I think from a Cook's standpoint, uh, few are as prolific at winning really big contests as he's had. Uh, you know, many of the best barbecue competition cooks across the country consider – Fred to be one of the most accomplished barbecue cooks out there. And he's done the Texas stuff. He's done KCBS stuff. He's done world food championships and finished it. I think he reserved the, uh, one of the years over at, uh, world food championships. So he certainly could cook. There's no doubt about it. Uh, you know, from a competition standpoint, uh, let me preface this by saying I'm not a barbecue competitor, but I've been around it since, the show has been born. If I'm, if I have the number right, if we can remove Texas Gulf Coast because that was swallowed by IBCA right a couple of years ago, so 
there's right. one, two, three, there's five existing competition sanctioning bodies in Texas, IBCA, uh, Lone Star, the CT, whatever the hell you said it was, the Texas Barbecue Grand Championship thing, and then the, the new the, one. The Texas Barbecue, I forgot to mention their Texas Barbecue Society is molding into the Champions Barbecue Alliance, thus the alliance. So we're still back to four. Okay. They're swallowing it. Yeah. So <laughs> in one state, there are four different sanctioning bodies. Um, to me, that could reek of if you have two quarterbacks, you don't have one. Um, uh, certainly, variety is the spice of life. But as you go through the rest of the country, you have a Florida Barbecue Association. Uh, I think there are still uh, like South Carolina Barbecue Association uh, might be still existing. You have KCBS, obviously, and you have the St. Louis Barbecue Society. I think that might be it. So, uh, the, Memphis. The, uh, yeah. Okay. Um, uh, for one, uh, so you, so you, so you either have exactly the same number of sanctioning bodies for every other state outside of Texas, and Texas has the same amount within. I think that might be a little bit of a of an issue, but I don't know. I mean, if Fred, Fred and Rod or whoever you said it was are, are putting this together, and um, they can. Uh, fix the ills my biggest concern on this whole thing is fred was on the board of ibca like this whole thing got started because of sour milk that i have no idea how it could have soured it's like you open the refrigerator every day for a month and you see the date on the milk going bad every single day and then all of a sudden you're like Holy shit, the milk is bad. Like, well, no shit. You've been looking at it every day. How and that guy, how did his membership lapse and nobody knew? Nobody knew what happened. And they made decisions with this guy's membership being. I have no idea how that could have happened. Number one. And number two. So fucking what? Renew exactly. it. Backdate it. Let everybody be happy. Now you have like the face, one of the faces of IBCA now feels like his penis got stepped on too hard and he's going to start something else. And guess what? It might be better. That could, it could have all been avoided, which is from a business standpoint. I love looking at business. stuff. I just have no idea how that happened. You know, it's coming. And nobody saw it coming at the same time. It's, it's absolutely crazy. So we'll see how it goes. So Doug, obviously, you'll be keeping tabs on that. Uh, anything else you have in your agenda? No, it's I've got some carryover stuff that can that can pass on to next month or then the next month. So, all yeah. right, Rusty, I hope up. they do well. I hope they do well, sure, because they will fix some of the ills of Texas barbecue and and which impedes people from getting into the sport. We wish them peace and love, peace and love, peace and love, peace and love. Uh, Rusty, go ahead. You know, uh, some things I had on my agenda to talk about was, you know, can two things, you know, we hit two birds with one stone oh. is, you know, I just got a gas assist old hickory and, you know, I was working through that process. I wanted to do the traditional wood burner, you know, and get that true Texas style and do the whole Franklin barbecue, little miss barbecue thing and do my own thing, of course, but, you know, really put in that, you know, 
burning the midnight oil thing to be great. And back in my mind, I was like, well, why don't you just cook on an old hickory? And it's funny the opinions you get when you're talking about cookers and you're talking about what's right and what's wrong and who's right and who's wrong and who's best and who isn't. And I realized that barbecue is probably the most hipster sport or hobby I've ever been associated with. And I, you know, I, I mean, I'm the biggest, yeah, whatever. I'm the hipster of what of the show, I guess you could say. But it's interesting how many people just get crap for the old hickory. Oh, you're going to have an old hickory. Oh, yeah. Okay, great. I've, uh, my favorite quote was from a good friend of mine. I've never had good food on a gas assist smoker before or gas grills. I freaking love gas grills. Cook me a hamburger on a gas grill. It takes me back to summers hanging out, you know, fishing with my dad. It's great. You know, heck yeah, let's do gas grills all day. So my issue and what I wanted to bring up and talk about was why is it that barbecue is so polarized that way? Am I, am I wrong? Is it just, is it everything or humans and we just like to hate on everything or is this barbecue thing literally probably the most polarized hobby on the planet? John, I think you can, to- you can weigh in on this good first. Go ahead. Well, well, first of all, th- just brief point is barbecue is like religion everyone has one and theirs is the right one period that's what everybody thinks and i don't uh, cooking on a gas assist for the last six months turning out 200 racks of ribs a day three days a week there's no way you could ever do it any other way with any kind of consistency you just you can't be done so i think we all started on a gas grill i think probably here is it fair to say it was a one of our first grills? It was a gas grill. Um, I, I, I have no problem with gas, and I have no problem with anybody else's religion. But a lot of people are going to have a problem with your religion, so you just got to deal with them. Um, let them go cook several thousand racks of ribs on eighteen different methods, and then come back and tell me theirs is the right way. I might listen a little more. Doug, mm-hmm. you're on mute, pal. Sorry. Yeah. So I agree it is religious. And uh, I believe I was the one of the first people uh, here in Texas to cook exclusively on pellet cookers in competition. And I had people all the time complain to the promoter. He's cheating. He need, you need to go check his grill. You know, he's, you know, multiple, you know, lighting the fire, et cetera. That's against the rules. It was within the rules. I mean, Several people called me the one nut cooker, you know, uh, <laughs> the, you, you know, so, you know, like I gave up one to, when I went to my fellow, you know, we're men, you know, so anyway, at, in literally at the Houston rodeo, after I won it on a pellet cooker, the, was it the next year or the year after I was having to argue because they came uh, to us on on Friday and said pellet cookers were going to be banned from the from the contest. Wow! And I'm like, what are you talking about? And so I actually because I could, it was the year after I won it, uh, two years after I won it. So they uh, I had to go and argue with some of the people because I knew some of the higher ups that were from Champions Row, some of the you know the um, uh, the people that work with you and uh, the ba- the ambassadors and I had to go and argue with them and it came down to a personal thing so I got them to reverse it two hours later um, that they couldn't do it at the contest and reverse that that so anyway it um, it is a religion and people new things people look at you and they 
they criticize you for it. So I understand what you're going through, Rusty. Yeah, and I agree fully with the whole religion thought. Uh, I tell people I will not talk about politics. I will not talk about religion. And I have recently added barbecue because I have talked to folks who I know do not have anywhere near the breadth of experience that I have, the general cooking experience that I have, uh, let alone the list of contacts of the top barbecue people in the world, competitors, restaurateurs, cookbook authors. There's nobody better than me. And if I, if they don't know me and nobody knows me, by the way, to listen to these people talk about how they just got into it and they just bought this Yoder smoker and they're off and running with their best ideas and this is the only way to do it and i'm like oh yeah great you know uh, hey have you ever heard of so-and-so i have no idea who that person is i was like oh okay well you're you're a know-it-all uh so i choose to pick my spots uh, if we're going to be talking barbecue with people and i have no problem with gas assisted smokers the old hickories the southern pride uh, some of the best barbecue i've ever had in my life has come off of those pits. In fact, the best barbecue that currently exists in Cleveland is coming off of an old hickory pit. Danny from Barbecue Smokehouse in Parma, which is minutes from my branch in Cleveland, produces the best barbecue in Cleveland. And he is running that gas-assisted smoker every single day that he's open. The second best is running uh, Fast Eddie Cookers. It's, it's being cooked on a pellet cooker. It's really good. And the third one is uh, Michael Simon's joint. He's using a JR <coughs> oiler, so I guess that would be your prototypical pit. But I have never had any issue with the gas-assisted barbecue pit, uh, nor the products that are coming off. Because, look, if you don't know what you're doing, the gas-assisted pit isn't going to help you become magically a better cook. You're still not going to produce a great end product. As John said, it's just helping you produce or consistent mass-scale products. So if you know what you're doing from a cook standpoint, then you're going to be able to achieve a good end product. And if I could take one small sidestep here and say to everybody that hates on gas grills, fuck off. I don't understand why people are so... And it seems like this has been budding, uh, bubbling up recently over the last couple of years where everybody loved gas grills and then charcoal grills made a reemergence and then everybody still had their gas grills and everybody still used them but there was like a, an underground of hate that was going on against gas grills and now everybody's being more vocal about gas grills about belittling talking down to talking about uh, where the flavor lacks and all this other stuff i use my gas grill four times a week for everything uh, you know the the normal grilling stuff nothing fancy i've never had any problem with it nobody in my house is complaining the neighbors aren't complaining when i'm giving them so i'd have no idea where the hate has come for gas grills but i have to tell you uh, shut up and don't bring it around me oh by the way if i hear or find out that you or you or you are bad-mouthing gas grills i will call you out and take you to task right here on the show i'm not having it anymore I am now a full-bore champion for gas grills. So, uh, Doug, anything else on the list? Oh, I'm sorry, Rusty? 
Um, no, man, you covered that gas grill thing. I'm glad you did that because, you know, gas grills deserve their place in the industry and they cook, they do what they need to do and they do it well and they do it like any, any other way. You know, there's, if you cook on a gas grill, it's going to taste different than anything else. And there's a purpose for it and there's a need for it still. And it's funny how just we, we just love to beat up on them for no reason. I, again, I think it's just, I don't know. It's just like John said, man, but it's, it's needs to stop people, especially on like Facebook instead, you know, get those groups and stuff. And people are like, do I boil my ribs? And dude, just these people just attack these folks, you know, and it's just nasty. So be cool, cook and cook what you like. And if someone else is cooking and they like it, shut up. Yeah. I agree with you, Greg. That's right. Trust your palate. That's what I have to say. Uh, we're talking with the embedded correspondents, of course, and uh, right to the top next to me is Rusty Monson from the great city of Utah. Doug Shiding is the longest running Texas or the longest running embedded correspondent right there. Caddy corner bottom right and John Solberg directly beneath me from the state up north, better known as Michigan who also produces the best moments of the Barbecue Central show in 10 minutes or less each and every Friday. You can see these guys right here on the last Tuesday of every month or the fourth Tuesday of every month because every once in a while we're gifted a fifth Tuesday. And, uh, gentlemen, great job as always, and we will see you again in the lover's month of February. No doubt. Go out and I'll buy everybody the uh, the bone-in ribeye to give to your ladies and say I love you on the bone. Hopefully they all tuned out before they heard me say that. All right, uh, one more piece of business to do here before we tie it up for the evening. I'll talk to you about Primo Grills. On the move in 2021 is Primo Grills. That's right. If you want a ceramic cooker and you want a ceramic cooker that gives you two-zone cooking, really two-zone cooking, Primo is the only one that's going to allow you that feature because of the way that it's shaped it's not round like all of the other ones it's oval so you can push the coals off to one side you really do have a side that has heat under it and you have a side that has no heat under it at all you can mess around with all the accessories that are available over primogrill.com it's primogrill not grills primogrill.com they have the extra large oval they have the extra large jack daniels oval they have the large oval and the junior oval. Now, if you need a round Primo grill, because you got to be like everybody else, you don't buy into the oval giving you two zone or you don't care, whatever it is, they do make a round Primo as well. They also have an extra large gas ceramic cooker. It's got gas burners in the ceramic cook. You should see this thing. It's pretty expensive. I don't know how many they sell, actually, but if you want to be the cool kid on the block, that might be the one that puts you over the top. Primogrill.com is the place to go. Find a dealer near you. Check them out in person, and you can see why Tuffy Stone uses one and a bunch of other folks. We're back to wrap the show right after this. Stick around. We'll be right back. Whole packers, full racks, legs and thighs, injecting butts. If you've never heard this before, you might think you found the best triple X show ever. Let's get back to the most homoerotic host out there today, Craig Rimpy. 
All right, welcome back. This portion of the show being brought to you by Vortic Watch Company, a small batch custom watch manufacturing and vintage restoration company located in northern Colorado. They take unique American pocket watches and turn them into wrist watches. That's right. Just like this one right here. This is a vintage wristwatch. They combine traditional cutting-edge technology to create unique, quality, functional timepieces with exceptional value. Here's the coolest part. Each watch that Vortic makes is unique, one-of-a-kind. Vortic founded on the motto that America wasn't assembled. It was built. And you can find out more by visiting VorticWatches.com. I shared on social media. I got the email that the watch of the week was out. I went to the website. It was still available at the time. I believe it was called the Rockford. And I tweeted out, I bet it doesn't last long. Less than two hours later, that thing was sold. 4100 bucks, I think. And there was only like 100 in the country that are even salvageable enough to, to convert into a pocket watch. So whoever ended up getting that thing, good for you. It's a beauty piece. It's a dying piece. All right, let's get out of here all the way back in the first hour. We talked with Matt Frampton from Urban Slicer Pizza, urbanslicerpizza.com. He's got some new products that are going to be coming out this year, some spices, amongst some other things, so be on the lookout. Again, if you haven't tried the dough and you haven't tried the sauce, go to urbanpizza.com and immediately hook up with all of that. Easy to make. He's made it so easy. So easy. You're going to love it. And the sauce is incredible. If you don't like the sauce when you buy it, just send it to me because I love it. After Matt, we talked with Derek Riches. We talked about the Spark Grill. We talked about Weber and if they might be bought by Traeger. And then he ended the segment by talking about the Traeger lawsuit going on with their uh, Wi-Fi technology and how that might affect some of the other grill companies out there. Second hour, embedded correspondence as we raised our own topics this evening and one around the dais for competing funds. If you missed the show, you're just tuning in live. Don't worry. First hour is coming up in just a few in podcast feed. Second hour on Thursday. And don't forget the best of on Friday. Big show planned for you next week. As I had mentioned, Laura Paul will be in to announce the Smithfield Grant Program. We also have Sam the Cooking Guy. We also have Malcolm Reed. And the list goes on. September 11th, 2001. I will never forget until next Tuesday at 9 p.m. Eastern. This is your program host and proud U.S. American, Greg Rempe. Good night now.